And welcome to the Mackey Hour. I'm your host of Sports Doctor, Brad McLaughlin, talking all things sports for the next two hours. If you'd like to call the show, our phone number is 334-844-9345. And if you miss any of our shows and want to be listening to them, you can find podcasts and each episode currently on Spotify. This is the Mackey Hour, and today's show will be available later as a podcast as well. And with a busy show today, our show topic article is first to recap that tough Auburn-Georgia game to watch. We'll start off with that. We'll then preview the Auburn-Arkansas game. We'll discuss other college football games and scores. We'll do our weekly Auburn in the NFL. We'll then recap NFL Week 4 and preview NFL Week 5. We'll discuss the NBA Finals and the NFL Playoffs. And then we'll might wrap up the show at some point until we'll just quickly address the NHL draft, which is gone right now for the game last night. So we start off with the Auburn-Georgia game. As Auburn traveled to Athens this past weekend, it's on fourth ranked Georgia, and it beat South of the rivalry. Of course, Auburn has not beaten Georgia at Georgia since 75, and that will continue. Uh, as you know, it was college game day was there, it was a primetime national televised game, it took Fowler, it took first to come the game, and Auburn was next. Auburn lost to Georgia 27 to 6, and was dominated the whole game. Thank you. 
know, they struggle. It's always just, you think it's kind of completely dominated by Jordan Hill's line running game. Georgia just ran the ball down all the throw, and all of a sudden stop it. Georgia ran the ball 45 times for 203 yards, averaging 40, 40 half yards per carry. That's something that all of them would do in the early years of Gus Malzahn's offense, where they would run the ball down to the throat. Now, now teams are doing it against Auburn. I know it's Georgia, and Georgia always has one of the better offensive lines in the country, and obviously they proved very well. But this is a dominating like they did for an Auburn defense that's supposed to be still one of the better defenses in the country. It's really unacceptable. And Seth Bennett, who was the fourth-string quarterback on Georgia's step start a month ago, and so, of course, there's any new transfer in the end, and she's a game of injury, and of course, you know, Matt is not playing well. He was the fourth string quarterback a month ago. He played better than Bowman. Bennett was 17 for 28, and he had a 61% percent with 240 yards and a touchdown. And of course, there was rubbed salt in the wound. That touchdown was thrown to Auburn, former Auburn, who had four chickens, who beat Rodney McCreary. And Auburn secondary, they had as poorly as he and I think it's playing worse than the secondary. The other secondary didn't play much better. They struggled. Of course, you know, Jerry Connors, Jalen Simpson, he was out for the game. And starting to smoke Monday, got ejected for targeting on that, on that punt, on the punt coverage. And now, I mean, that's annoying to have to target a little bit. Because there was no one who was not trying to see the target on the contest. I know he was tackled and it's not how it was down, but it's just... The targeting rules, it's called targeting. You know, they just didn't try to, you know, they're trying to hit them and, you know, help the helmet. There was no intent by Smoke Monday in the play to go help the helmet. So it's frustrating for them to get checked in this game. And honestly, I think that did hurt all this defense. But I think they still should play much better. I thought Roger Cleary and Christian Platt would play better games. They really struggled. It was weird in this game. Christian Platt just looked slower than usual in coverage in this game. He got the telephone down out. And it's just very frustrating to watch. And obviously, Sexton Bennett, obviously, he was helped out by this, this Georgia running game, where they're running the ball so well that the play action pass is going to work well because all these things start stacking the box. But still, for him to play this well and play out play for next, it's very frustrating for Auburn. And just overall, you know, this is back to Marcus Malzahn. It's, it's, you know, unable to win on the road at Georgia. He hasn't done it yet in his career as Auburn head coach. It looks like he's changing any different this year because, you know, obviously, Virginia Newman decided to stop out the season. Chase Kuzano has been helping out the play, so you're going to face a back who, a fourth-string quarterback, like there was a month ago, that elevates the starter over Mathis. It's such a bad thing. It looks like all those opportunities to win this game. Finally, get a win on the road at Georgia. And it just came out and got completely dominated. It's very, very frustrating to watch, for sure. And one of the few positive takeaways that I have to say was a positive takeaway in this game for Auburn. I would say with the price tank, this week, the first wrestling running back, he got to start with Sean Sivers out injured. And though, like I mentioned before, he only had 31 wrestling yards, this week did have seven catches for 68 yards, and he brought his catch going for 19 yards. And I can see throughout the game, even though Auburn was down by multiple scores, late, like, he was still running hard and playing hard. So I think that's a positive to see. But overall, this is just a, a really bad performance for Auburn. And they, they got to put it away quickly because they got an Arkansas team coming in that won on the road in Starkville and the 18th ranked Mississippi State, who, of course, the week before went on the road in Baton Rouge and won against LSU and Death Valley. So this is not going to be the game for Auburn coming up this weekend at home in Arkansas. We're going to break that down later in the show. 
But anyway, it's a very poor performance by Auburn. Both defenses got down in the game. Bonus, you know, we're waiting for him to continue to develop. And obviously, you know, there's one excuse to go to the Senate for Auburn's offense. Take it off his line first. Is that, you know, 40 starters, and obviously, it's going to be completely shortened off season wear. Third off season practice line, where there's no real spring camp or summer camp, really, to develop this offensive line and get them young together and get to the three. They really had this late month or so of talking from past they had to prepare for this season, so they didn't have much time to yell. But still, I think, you know, all of these guys start returning better at offensive line. It's been issues for most of the seasons now. And maybe, you know, the Texas and the new offensive line coach is helping that department. But still, it's just, it's the poor offensive line play, and I think it's even despite that, they had a poor offensive line to be dealt. I would expect more from the Auburn offensive line. It's really next, you know, last season. One of the big problems out in the Austin Street freshman, he struggled mightily in tough road environments, whether that be at Florida and Swamp, at the Nesbitt Valley, at LSU. Those two games came out quicker where tough road environments and Bonus really struggled. Well, obviously, the whole point going to the season two, they're off even developed. Now, I've got the end of the season, which had more stats, things are going to be different against Georgia, and things really weren't. You played very inconsistent. Uh, you know, of course, last week against Kentucky, you know, he's making nice touch passes, he's commanding the offense well, that one touch pass really starts to throw to Eli Stowe against Kentucky. And this week, he had very little touch of passes, just throwing as hard as he can, inaccurate, scrambling around. Obviously, he's off the line, didn't help, and he leaves the pocket way too early. There are times where it was a play early in the game where he moved the pocket well, and he's throwing two passes behind the pocket. And there's other times where there's not much pressure, but he just kind of happens to leave the pocket and he has to just begin to stand on the right side of the field to play the field in half, and eventually has to throw the ball away or round down for a yard. So he's just very frustrated. It's just frustrating the offense to watch because there's no real fluidity right now. I would hope that the strength of passing the Robinson crowd has back but not as much as previous years. And, you know, with the Georgia team, there's a back quarterback, and I still have a very good defense for it. I just, I would have thought going into stepped up and losing low communication in the game, but he, he was unable to. And now, all they've got, you know, I think they can learn from this game. Jeff Miles has said there's a lot of improvement and potential for the team. I think it's so high that it's like this offense has to start really high much better. And before we go to break, I will say, so now Auburn dropped six spots to number 13 in AP poll. And because Daniel Jackson's character is at the park, it could have been worse done, a lot worse. I thought it was possible that Auburn could drop maybe 10 spots in the AP poll from 17 or 18. So I think Auburn is a little lucky to drop to 13, and that helps you know, we play on the road at Georgia, which is number four in the country, now three, number 13 in the new poll. So obviously, that's just part of the reason why they didn't drop as much. But Auburn just looks awful in this game. Let's be, let's be serious. Auburn bought all sides of the ball. Auburn can do that. The special teams were different. They were okay. But, you know, obviously, for one day, it's already a time in special teams. But Auburn can do that. It's completely dominated by the Vikings in this game. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we will we'll talk a little more Auburn football. We're going to talk about this Auburn Georgia game throughout the show. We're going to talk a little more in the first hour, and we'll talk about it more in the second hour. 
But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll, we'll discuss the Elvis Melody Plow for the Yankees and dive into the Jets as well. You're listening to the Hour on WEBL 91.1 FM, and I'm your host, Brenda Blossom. Hello, and welcome back to the Mackie Hour. I'm your host, and sports doctor, Brenda Blossom. As the Star Wars main team brings us to our first caller, it is standing with the sea. He is back, and he's been standing in front of the sea. Stanley, welcome to the show. Very good, Stanley. Very good. Great to have you back on. Oh, yes, I did. I, I did watch the game in all this entirety. I did not uh, stop watching, even though it was a lot of it. Why? Why? Stop, stop, stop. I, you know, I took the safety team, and part of it was just, you know, like a fan part of the team, and the other part was just, you know, analyzing the team properly. I was curious to see how, uh, how would they think this game. It's a full scope. They need a full scope. I don't have a horrible performance. I want to see how they get around with the game. Focusing on the running game and more play action passing. And over still, we ran the ball. 
they went George won the ball down the throat. It was, it was really bad, and this is an over front seven, but they won the better ones in the country. Experience on the defensive line in front seven, even though they lost more games than that round. They had to bring the ball all of them for over 200 yards. And the second day, it's been quite well off the play after the pass. You know, George Pickens got the touchdown on Martin Curry. And Stephen Bennett looks like a better quarterback in the team than Bo Nick. But Bo Nick was a five-star dual, number one dual threat quarterback in the class. And Stephen Bennett was a preferred walk-on at Georgia. He wants to go play junior college. And came back to Georgia to be their fourth-string quarterback. And he did not play Bo Nick. He's excusable. I 
days before Eric Bannon, for example, has pointed to the truth that this is not going to be out of line. It's not going to be out of line. I did want to know this place in, and I gotta say, it's completely mismanaged the person's situation in this thing. It's completely mismanaged. Notorious for that strike down for years now. 
And now it looks like going to run at five. I think it was a warm up last night. We're kind of unable to go. But now we got two more days off. The next game is, is Friday night. As long as you're able to play, and if you're the Lakers are going to blow as often as they are, I think they are vulnerable where the Kings could possibly come back to the series. I'm not going to say that they're going to win the series right now. I just know that the Lakers are going to seven. But I think this is the best you push it through it, maybe a game six or seven, because if they get all the guys back and the Lakers are not as tough on offense, I think the Kings will have a chance in the series. I think the Lakers are going to be very good question. I think that is between LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis had, he didn't play well in game three, so the Lakers didn't want him to come back to the season. Obviously, he bounced back to the three-play last night. A very good game. He's very strong defensively, so he blocked down well. And obviously, it's highlighted by the dagger three. They gave the Lakers a mental lead. We left in the middle left. Well, I would say it's probably LeBron James because it's one, it's LeBron James. It's not the farthest. And then it counts, I think, because overall, they never gave the series. They had a better overall series than Anthony Davis. He hasn't had a down game in the series, unlike Anthony Davis. I'm not 
Carolina and Virginia College and talk in the NBA Finals, which will attend the Lakers and Youth, and the Kid Yankee Games in 83. And as I said before, this is what Pastor Patel, or Pastor Garcia, from the Game 2, and say, I'm going to Game But also, of course, you know, it seems to be into that. We should probably have a better picking match up tonight. Compared to, say, it was it was very even for Tanaka to pick again. How did that sound? He's one of the better, he took one of the top pickers for the Rays. But tonight in this game, we have Tanaka, he's picking in this one. And again, the Rays could possibly, we'll see how the Rays approach this game. It's, it's going to be Carl Morton. He was their opening day star this year, and he's also a very good starting pitcher. But I would still say that Tanaka gives him the edge. Uh, in the starting matchup for the two pitchers. But uh, I think overall, I would expect this to be a high scoring series where you know, last night was 9 set or maybe 1 9 set or 9 set. Very high scoring series anyway. I think it's going to be more lower scoring for the Yankees to win this one, maybe 4 3 or 5 4. I would just say that I got to listen to money tonight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to. Revisit that Auburn Georgia game, and we'll preview the Auburn Arkansas game this weekend as well. Welcome to the Matthew on WGL 91.1 FM, and I'm your host, Brendan Lawson. Hello, and welcome back to the Matthew I'm your host and sports doctor, Brendan Lawson. We will be facing us back in. And right now, we'll do our weekly Auburn in the NFL. And we start off with Derek Brown. He had three tackles, including a tackle loss, and had a high-pitch focus rate of 89.1, which was the first among rookie uh, defenders in the NFL. So Brown, on the season, now he seven tackles for four tackles for loss in the last two games in particular. Daniel Carlson continues to be strong, kicking away. He's doing a very good job right now as a Raiders kicker. He made a 54-yard field goal with tied career long from earlier this season, which was in that Monday night game the Saints. In a long season, he's now 3 for 3 on 6 or 15 yards or more. And he also had a 39 yard field goal in this game as well. Carlton Davis, the cornerback for the Buccaneers, he had an interception again this week, this time against the, uh, Justin Herbert. So this is now his second interception on the season. Rudy Ford, defensive back for the Eagles, who usually played on special teams. And this one, he had a big, uh, big, uh, this punch on the side was a very high level, a good hit play. There you go. Not to Tommy Turner. So, Rudy Ford had a nice little highlight play there. And then, Jerry Slayton, he had three catches for 48 yards, and the Giants lost against the Rams. Jerry Slayton, of course, was a fan of Newton. Now, he's out this week, and we'll see what he is this week uh, because of COVID 19. He had positive COVID 19. And then, Brian Morris started the game against the Chiefs. He then got benched for Jared Stidham, and Jared Stidham came in. He threw his first career NFL touchdown pass with a nice one on a little fade before it's going to kill Harry. And it appears right now that Stidham will be the Patriots starter this week. We have a caller now. It is Michael in Washington, D.C. Michael, welcome to the show. Yes, always nice to have you on. It was a dumpster fire, to be honest. really bad. Really bad. I thought things would be different this year because of how it's interesting to take those because, you know, last year, freshmen were very close and talked to the bottom. I thought this year would be different. Obviously, it's kind of special. Having faith in 
fourth grade, a girl five school, fourth grade quarterback. And then top five defense. And it's not even playing much better. And it was just horrible. You know, Sam Morris, you know, supposed to open up his offense. He more players with the Raptors. He's the one day in the week one win against Kentucky. But this past week, there was nothing working down the field. We saw the ball swing back and take these sports a few times. But overall, very poor passing game. And the running game really sort of too. I don't think all of them was committed enough to the run game. They went down, they were down to nothing after the first quarter. But I think they could still go try running the ball more. In this game, they only finished the points with Gary compared to 40 passes. And the defense was, I was, to be honest, I wasn't too surprised at all this offense trouble. I was very surprised how dominated the offense defense did by the Georgia. They just got dominated in this game. The first set of that mishandled, allowing Georgia to rush yards in this game. And he made Stephen Bennett look like a potential decent quarterback. Which he could be, he could be, but it's, it's a pretty bad before that to his first career start. Uh, he played so well against all the defense, it's supposed to be a better one in the country. I Ball. 
And I think that's one of the way I need to focus on in the city of the city of the Basically dominated 
Some of the plant trees that you need to make creative, you can plant trees. This one took some time to go back and do this. For all things, it's very good. You get an injury, obviously, just recently. The next job is going to happen in a few weeks with a knee injury. So the full got three months. I very well took the line. I think Kevin's the fancy. He's done a great job as a rookie head coach there. He's been here in place, I think, with also a very good job. Chris Kingsbury, yes, he's lost two in a row. But overall, this part of the offense is very good. Kyle Murray is developing very well. Yeah, I think the Hopkins alongside Ray Fitzgerald. And this offense for the Cardinals played very well. He might be able to walk in great. He kind of had great end of last season. He did a little sort of stuff this year. Maybe he helped the running game get going. But overall, Chris Kingsbury, he was a five to six to six. <laughs> and they're saying he did a better job. He hired the NFL coach for the Cardinals. I think he's done a good job there. We've highlighted Adam Gates. I don't want to talk too much about Adam but we all know my thoughts of Adam Gates. He's supposed to be the offensive genius. Now in the second stand as a head coach, there's some stuff and stuff like that. His offense has been bottom three in the league, that's where they're ranked. I know he's on the top there, but he's just seen this, he should be seeing better and getting more points than they are currently. And things are all about that little progress so far under him. So. I think Adam Gates is one of the three credit coaches that he's done a very good job. Rick Fangio, he's now into the second year, head coach with the Broncos. I can't really blame him for right now. They got their first win of the year against the Jets, last Thursday night. But the defensive head coach, and the defense has played tough this year. But he's got, he's got, I don't blame him for this. He's got so many injuries that he impacts the defense. The starting quarterback to lock if that was out for a month. He's three back in two weeks now for safety, one spring. And shoulder, one no other down for the year. Cody's gotten your best wide receiver, crazy ACL out for the year. If they're so banged up that their best, best players are so banged up, that he's going to give them the top cards there. So overall, I think he's doing the best he can with what he has. Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, quarterback, or the quarterback, head coach of the Packers, did a great job his first year there, obviously, to go to the NFC Championship game. And everyone, you know, was wondering, oh, when it's the first hire, can we even bring last year some tension between Aaron Rodgers and Ed Forbes? Obviously, there's not any more. It seems like they get along perfectly fine. Seems like they a good time together. And the Packers offense is just clicking right now. But we got another big win the past Monday night over the Falcons. Matt Rule's done a pretty good job so far, too, with the Panthers. They just got a win this past week. I guess the Cardinals did. He's got two wins already in his early head coaching career. So, those are some guys that I think are doing a pretty good job. Uh, I know, and obviously, we can't go see Joe Judge. We're kind of back into Jason Garrett. We're trying to own four. We've had a very tough schedule to start this year. I'm going to play the Steelers. We played the Bengals 49 team who was expected to put more than six points. And Joe Judge, he kind of specialized. He had multiple jobs with the Patriots. He was a position coach there, and he was a position coordinator. So he just has one real particular specialty. So he's kind of got, he's going to do, for example, a John Harbaugh for the Ravens. And I think the team that the players are for the guys really like him. He makes them into a very disciplined team. He made a priority in practices, even like making people run laps and such, and making things himself. I haven't seen what he wins yet, but I think he is the right guy to be head coach for the Giants, I would say. And Ron Rivera is out 
Georgia, Florida, 
maybe even get them to start clicking when the seasons are off. And so, like I said before, and you, you weren't, um, <laughs> you weren't joking. Literally, Graham Janelle was the only person off of the Giants for that. Instead of pointing for a first down, and then we'll hear it, so they change it. 
with the Central World Pick out Sandra Bolt. So they're really emphasizing on the goal scoring with the which is a priority because they're really goal scorer last season with Paul Palmieri with 25 goals. And Palmieri is a very good goal scorer, but obviously you would like the goal scorer to have more than 25 goals a season. So they added, you know, both to the mix with Palmieri along with Hughes. And he's here, and he's built up in a new building on offense. Also, you know, another first time they had an 18 overall was Dalton Mercer, a centerman. They required to take a trade to Arizona Coyote from that Taylor Hall trade. And he's a good centerman as well, you know, Canadian, and very good skater. And it's really good that continue to build upon. You know, one of the priorities in hockey, of course, is if you can run out two or three top centermen, you're going to be very tough to be, and that's obviously one of those strategies to do. And if you think later, Taylor's overall, the Devils took secure Mukama Dulin, the defenseman from Russia, and some scouts were comparing him to Jay Bomeister, who was for the defenseman for the St. Louis Blues, and Bomeister won the best defenseman in the NHL top 10. So, very high comparison. We've seen, obviously, Russian defenseman, such as Victor Hyman, for example, developing his top defenseman in the NHL. So, the Devils took advantage of three first round picks. And I think we got some building there in New Jersey. They made the playoffs two seasons ago, but that was only over the last eight seasons, the Devils have missed the playoffs sometimes. And now since they've made the Stanley Cup in 2012, and also the Kings have only made it once since. So Dallas really trying for a long term building on something. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they approach the goal situation this season with Corey Snyder. But offensive and defensive, they've built a lot of draft picks. In age because of getting them from the Taylor Hall trade. So it's interesting how they dealt with the season. Rangers, I expect, you know, as a playoff team, they took past, you know, Chicago Taco with the number two overall pick last year. And now this year they get the first pick in the draft. And they take Leslie and Walker here. They're really doing something. And the Ducks, they're not the most, they're trying to do the same thing with the Rangers. Doing a rebuild on the fly. They got nine picks last. And like I mentioned before, the fourth season of the defense for Tampa Fulham and Tim Fowler. John Dixon and Goy is the top five goal in the NHL, the Americans. So, Duff really goes on there. Goal scoring is definitely something they needed. So, I think that draft pick with Perot late on, who was number 17 prospect, again at point seven, so good value there. And Drysdale is an offensive defenseman. He was actually number three overall prospect in the draft before the NHL Central Scouting. I think on both three teams, that's very successful. And their first round draft pick was multiple, then I think they're going to be that. We had two minutes left in the show. We'll go to a little NFL. We were talking about head coaches before, uh, you know, rookie head coaches, secondary head coaches. And we'll do who I didn't mention before, but I'll mention now. We saw Brian Flores, the fourth head coach for Dolphins, the defensive head coach. I thought he did a great job last season for a Dolphins team that many considered to have the worst roster in the NFL. He did a great job winning five games with that team. Dolphins did a lot of off-season moves. They had three first-round picks. Uh, had a lot of fire cap space and still do, but they used a lot of it to improve that defense and offensive line. And the Dolphins are now, they're one and three. They're one win game in the Thursday night game against the Jaguars in the win in Jacksonville. But they played, and every game they played, they, they've lost, but they've played their team very tight. The first game season against the Patriots in New England, they played the Patriots very tight in that one. Then at home against the Bills, they lose to the Bills by, by a touchdown. And the Bills, I see, are undefeated. 
And then, of course, this chapter is against the Seahawks. They lose at home by the Seahawks. They played the Seahawks very tough. Again, why I saw the Dolphins could surprise people, but the Seahawks taking the longest trip you can make in the NFL from one particular corner of the country to another, from Seattle to Miami. The Dolphins played the Seahawks very tough, you know, limited their offense. They did give up over 30 points, but three touchdowns came for the last six minutes. For overall, they played the Seahawks very tough in a high point offense led by Russell Wilson. The problem with the Dolphins in that game is that the, they had to find the field goal. Jason Sanders, the kicker, had kicked five field goals in the game. And the Dolphins, if they make maybe two or three of those field goals to touchdown, they probably wouldn't stand. But that was the, the frustrating thing for the Dolphins. They were able to move the ball in the Seahawks because they had to keep trying for the field goals. And as I mentioned earlier, if there was a questionable call by the referee, he caught the ball, it looked appeared to be short of the team. So where the team had to measure, it looks like they're short, and they still point for a first half of the Seahawks. There's a, a camera angle that shows the ball short. I don't know how they make the mistake. It's almost as if uh, the Dolphins needed the, the referee in territory to bring out his the index card. Of course, territory now looks for CBS uh, as a official referee anyway. But he didn't want to come out of retirement and uh, bring out his index card to prove that that ball is short. But they reviewed it still, and it's still said for the first down. Very questionable measurement. And that ended up leading to the Seahawks uh, game. Of course, the Dolphins had stopped. It would have been fourth and into. With around a minute and a half left, Dolphins down by a touchdown. They were going to the Seahawks kick the most for the punt ball, or they go for it. But we'll never know. Dolphins need to talk on my touchdown. But overall, I think Brian Flores is doing a good job with the Dolphins and they're going on something there. And then the other coach that I want to talk about is Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. They get their first win of the season this past week against the Jaguars. And I didn't do a good job with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is living up to the hype as being the first round pick and number one overall. And he's playing very well. That offense is clicking. He's got some chemistry with his receivers, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. They're using to run the ball well with Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. And Zach Taylor is an offense play coach, and their offense is doing a good job. Their offensive line is really below average. So I think Zach Taylor uh, is a young head coach. He's his second year. I think he's showing that up. The, the Bengals got a good combination with Zach Taylor's head coach and Joe Burrow's quarterback. So very interesting to see how the Bengals keep going, but Joe Burrow's done a good job on the Zach Taylor. That just about wraps up our show. I'd like to thank all of our callers for calling in. So that's Stanley with a C in San Antonio, Connor in Virginia, Michael in Washington, D.C., Dan in New Jersey, Chris in Ohio, and Joe and Chad in West Virginia. I want to thank all of you for calling in and talking all things sports on the Mackey Hour and the Mackey Hour Overtime. We'll be back with the next one today from 3 to 5.